Hello everyone, and welcome back to New Books and Christian Studies, a channel on the New Books Network podcast. I'm your host, Crawford Gribben, and today my guest is Professor Olivier Roy. Uh, Professor Roy is Professor at the European University Institute in Florence, Italy, and we're going to be talking to him about his new book, Is Europe Christian?, published last year by Hearst and this year by Oxford University Press. Professor Roy, congratulations on the book and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Before we start talking about the work, could you tell us something about yourself? Well, uh, personally, I am for, from a um, Protestant family in France, which my, means a um, small my, religious minority. Uh, secondly, I travel extensively in the Middle East. Uh, not only, uh, I work not only on Islam, but also on uh, Oriental Christians, you know. I converted for, uh, <laughs> to marry my wife to um, Orthodoxy, to Oriental Orthodoxy. Uh, but also, um, I've been living in France for years, of course. I was a school teacher first, then a researcher, and I worked a lot on migrants. And it happens that the migrants of the 70s uh, became Muslims, if I can say that, in the 80s and 90s. So we had the shift in the terminology used to qualify uh, this population because, of course, of the coming of second generation, which was born uh, in France and so was not considered or didn't consider themselves as uh, migrants, mm, uh, but developed mm, a rather assertive uh, Muslim identity, at least for many of them, at the end of the 80s. So uh, I started to work on Islam both uh, in the Middle East and uh, in France. Now, some of your earlier work has been very interested in this issue of secularization. Is that a background to your new book, Is Europe Christian? Um, when studying, you know, uh, Islam, uh, some questions did uh, arise. Is there a specificity of Islam? What is specific about Islam? And uh, you know that it's a dominant idea now that Islam is not a religion like the others. But by studying you know, the issue of uh, religious revival uh, in Muslim countries, I found that there are, uh, there are a lot of common with the situation in the West, uh, that the religious revival is not a return to old traditional forms of religiosity. On the contrary, it's a way to deal with new challenges. And among these challenges, of course, the growing secularization of our global world. So uh, secularization is, I think, uh, the big issue which is beyond, you know, uh, uh, what we call the rise of fundamentalism. The fact that religions are no more or less embedded in traditional cultures and assert themselves in a more uh, assertive way, you know, radical way uh, in uh, societies uh, which are not just... Uh, 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 not just uh, secular, but more and more pagan in the eyes of the uh, religious people. So the first issue uh, is uh, the debate between or the, the tensions between secularism and uh, religion. And the second issue, uh, this time it's a specific European or Western uh, issue, when we say that uh, Europe is Christian or uh, 
the Muslims do not uh, follow the European values, etc., etc. What do we mean? You know, what do we oppose in the West to Islam? Which kind of values? Uh, which kind of norms? And here I find something, you know, which is uh, 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 quite interesting. Although many people in Europe claim that Europe is Christian or has a Christian identity, the values they oppose to Islam are not the Christian values. The values they oppose to Islam are the contemporary liberal secular European values, the values of the 60s, feminism, gay rights, freedom of sexuality, right to blasphemy, etc., etc. Precisely the same new values that the Catholic Church does oppose, you know, uh, right of abortion, for instance, same-sex marriage, etc. So uh, the issue, at least in Europe, is not uh, Christian values versus Muslim values. Uh, it's not secularism versus religion. It's a triangle. Uh, modern liberal secularism, traditional Christianity, and Islam. Mm. And your book pulls all of these themes together in a very provocative and stimulating way. Who Who is this book written for, Professor Roy, and what is the purpose of this book? Uh, to be frank, uh, the short-term you know, motivation for me was to speak to the Christians who said we should support the populist extreme right because they defend uh, Christian identity of Europe, even if they are not themselves good Christians. Uh, that's also an argument which is used in the USA uh, for the evangelicals to vote for Trump. But the situation in Europe is different. Uh, the populists are not Christian at all. It's not just that their leaders are not perfect model of uh, Christian values. It's that they themselves endorse, you know, the new European liberal values. Most, at least in Western Europe, you know, most of the populist leaders uh, refuse to rescind uh, the laws allowing abortion or the laws allowing same-sex marriage. Uh, they refuse uh, to go back to some traditional values, even if they give, give lip service, you know, to the traditional family. None of them is a model of a traditional family. All of them are in favor of uh, sexual freedom. Uh, they, they don't oppose uh, same-sex marriage. And even in Northern Europe, they do promote uh, the rights of uh, the homosexuals, for instance. Uh, they have in Northern Europe a feminist agenda. Uh, so the, the question is to the Christians and especially to the Catholic. Uh, how do you make a hierarchy uh, between what you call the Christian values, uh, which are complex, you know, from uh, charity to uh, pro-life, and a Christian identity of Europe which is no more than the folklorization of uh, Christianism, yeah. uh, but has nothing to do uh, not only with faith, but with what you call yourself a Christian uh, values. Mm. That was, in a sense, my, my, uh, uh, my first uh, intention. 
And in countries like Italy, it worked. It worked, you know, uh, because uh, recently the tensions between uh, the leader of uh, the populist movement, Matteo Salvini, and the bishops uh, were very high. Uh, Salvini never hesitated to insult, you know, uh, the bishops who criticize the, uh, him. And at the same time, he openly supports, you know, some sort of, uh, I would say, uh, pagan Christianity, if I can say that, you know, uh, 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 kissing the crucifix, kissing the rosary, uh, but not going to confession, not going to, uh, not taking the Eucharist and so and so. So he pretends to be more Christian in the quasi-cultural and ethnic sense than the bishops. And of course, uh, even if the bishops are not very progressive, you know, uh, they don't like uh, this kind of uh, overbidding on uh, uh, holier than thou. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my book was well received, you know, uh, I would say, in mainly Catholic countries. The book was not so well received in the northern European countries where you have an established Protestant church. Uh, the, the reviews of my book uh, in the Anglican uh, press, for instance, or in the Scandinavian uh, 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 clerical uh, press uh, is quite negative. Uh, they don't like the way I say that in Europe, Lutheran Protestantism has self-secularized itself. And uh, that uh, the, uh, the Protestant Christianity, and specifically Lutheran forms of Protestantism, have simply uh, uh, shifted from, I would say, Christian norms to some sort of uh, common ethics, uh, which doesn't presuppose uh, the existence of God or of uh, hell or of what you want. And it just in synchrony uh, with a humanist uh, uh, view uh, of life. Uh, uh, so, um, for me, uh, the, the turn, you know, uh, from uh, religion uh, like, uh, like the Lutheranism of Luther uh, to some sort of um, uh, a vague humanism uh, uh, contributes to the secularization of Europe. I'm not saying that secularization is bad, you know. Uh, but if you self-secularize religion, then you give religion to the hardliners, if I can say that, you know. Uh, and it's clear that we have what we can call a fundamentalist backlash in Europe, both in the Catholic Church, you know, uh, after Council Vatican II, and among the Protestants, with the rise of uh, contemporary evangelicals, uh, which uh, whose roots are in the USA, but uh, who have made a breakthrough in Europe among uh, very contrasted constituencies, you know, both traditional Protestants who were not happy about this uh, self-secularization 
of the uh, official churches, but also among many migrants, uh, even among Muslims, uh, who converted to Christianity. And when they convert to Christianity, it's not to the dominant national church. It's always, of course, in favor of a faith community uh, uh, like the evangelical or uh, conservative Catholics, because uh, they have the impression that this is the true stuff. Now, it's fascinating that you say that uh, when you talk about the range of responses to your books in Catholic and Protestant countries. It seems to me, reading the book, that your main interest is in talking about Catholics or the response that Catholics might make to the secularization or dechristianization of Europe. Why, why did you focus so much on the Catholic experience in this book? Because they are the only ones to fight both secularization and to defend a Christian identity of Europe, which is not just cultural, you know, which is not just about Christmas uh, uh, and uh, traditions. Uh, so it's totally different from the USA. In the USA, it's the evangelicals you know, who, take, who took the lead of the fight against secularization and the fight against the new uh, liberal values of the 60s. Uh, in the USA, the Catholic Church joined you know, the evangelicals. They make an alliance from, I would say, the 70s. And this alliance in the USA is very obvious if you look at the Supreme Court, for instance. You don't have one Protestant. Uh, uh, the, the conservatives of the Supreme Court are all Catholics. Uh, it's not by chance. It's also because the Catholic Church has a tradition, I would say, of um, studying, of theology, of philosophy, uh, which provides more sophisticated intellectual tools mm, to fight secularism than the uh, Protestant evangelicalism, which is more based on emotional feelings, you know, uh, and uh, than on a strict uh, and uh, complex uh, uh, theology. Mm. So uh, I stress the role of the church in Europe because the Protestants are out, or almost out, if I can say that, uh, of the fight against secularization. Uh, the Protestants in Europe, uh, at least the big uh, Lutheran churches, did, uh, uh, in a sense, promote the secularization of Christianity. Fascinating. Now, your book has a present tense title, Is Europe Christian? But yet it, it provides an historical sweep as well, doesn't it? So that there's a long backstory to the conditions of modernity that you're most interested in considering in this title. When does your story begin here? And what what is the shape of that story as you move towards the present day? You cannot understand Europe without Christianity. Uh, from the end of the uh, Roman Empire, it's the Catholic Church, uh, which has maintained uh, some sort, some sense of unity and cooperation in what is now called Europe. Uh, and the Catholic Church uh, became some sort of a global uh, uh, supra-state, uh, centralizing institutions, I would say, from the uh, 11th century. 
so the, the first European intelligentsia, you know, which was common from, uh, uh, we can say, Scotland to uh, Sicilia, uh, were the clerks, uh, the clerics of the Catholic Church. They had the common language, Latin. Uh, they had a common training you know, in the seminaries and the University of Theology. Uh, the real nationality didn't matter. So the first bureaucratic European institution is the Catholic Church. Of course, we had the split uh, in the uh, 16th century with the Protestants. But the Protestants nationalized themselves. You know, the Lutheran Church, by definition, became uh, either Church of the State or Church of the People. But they never developed a global uh, institution. Um, anyway, until I would say the, the 60s, uh, the secularization in Europe didn't change, I would say, uh, the, the Catholic or the Christian roots of our culture. Since the Enlightenment, uh, the dominant European values are secularized Christian values. The conception of the family, of uh, uh, men of gender, uh, of procreation, of sexuality, uh, uh, was, I would say, common to secular Europeans and to Christian, uh, to believing uh, Christians. Uh, the condemnation of homosexuality uh, was shared both by the seculars and uh, the church until uh, the mid-19th uh, uh, century. So divorce was the only uh, uh, bone of contention between the secular states of the 19th century and the Catholic Church. But even the secular states used to define divorce as a, some sort of a fault, of a, uh, of a sin, you know. Mm. Um, everything changed in the 60s. In the 60s, a new value system uh, 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 came into light. The idea that freedom individual freedom is at the core of the social bind, uh, that sexuality is good, uh, that uh, the human being is a desiring uh, thing, you know, uh, and uh, that uh, uh, happiness is uh, the good in life, yeah, and not, of course, uh, in the afterlife. So the church Took, uh, uh, became uh, conscious immediately of this drastic anthropological change, which means that the definition of uh, the basic definition of what is a man, a woman, uh, a, a child, a family, etc., changed in uh, less than uh, 10 years. And these changes were slowly embedded into the national laws uh, of all Europe, including in Italy. Uh, to a lesser extent, of course, than uh, Norway. So, and it's, so it's not in Europe, contrary to the USA, uh, left-right uh, uh, struggle. The right always, at the end, uh, uh, internalize, I would say, uh, these new values and keep uh, them in the law. Nowhere has the uh, uh, gay marriage been uh, rescinded, you know, by a new right majority uh, in Europe. Same thing for abortion, etc., etc. So now we have a real divorce uh, between the Christian values and norms on one hand 
and I would say the dominant secular culture of uh, uh, Europe. So most of the tensions, I think, uh, now come from this deculturation of Christianity, from the fact that Christianity is not only no more embedded you know, into uh, the uh, European culture, but uh, uh, that the, the secular U uh, Europeans became uh, illiterate in terms of religion. The new generation don't know anything about Christianity. Uh, they uh, may believe uh, in Santa Claus or not, but for them, uh, Christmas is Santa Claus. Uh, it's not the birth of the Christ. Um, so this secularization of Europe is not just a matter of going or not going to church. It's a profound anthropological and cultural change. Now, you distinguish in the book secularization and dechristianization. What, what, are you, what are you getting at when you make that distinction? You can be a secular Christian. You, know. you can uh, uh, be a non-believer, but never, nevertheless have the same values and anthropological view of the society than the believing Christians. Uh, you can oppose same-sex marriage, oppose abortion, uh, uh, oppose feminism, uh, while not going to church. Mm -hmm. So we can say that um, uh, the traditional patriarchalism of the European societies uh, uh, was uh, 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 both Christian and not Christian. It was not an issue. You know, it, there was really a, a shared culture. Dechristianization is when secularism uh, breaks from religion, not just about believing in God or not, but on the very definition of what a human being is, of what the society is, and of what the final good is. And here we are in a state of society in Europe where religion and any kind of religion is seen at best as a bit weird and at worst as fanatical. But <coughs> But the, the, the attitude of believers are not understood by the majority of the population. So it's why the, the claim now of the secularist is to keep religion private as something that should not appear in the public space, which is the ultimate stage of the dechristianization of Europe. Uh, so uh, beyond the hostility towards Islam, which is strong in Europe, we have, I would say, a softer but general hostility towards the very concept of religion. And this makes the other religion, Christianity and Judaism, a bit uneasy. Uh, they have a problem to ally with the Muslims to claim uh, for uh, uh, the opening of the public space to religion, because for different reasons, uh, they contest the legitimacy of Islam to be a European religion. But on the other hand, they are treated, you know, uh, almost the same way than the Muslims from a religious point of view. For instance, uh, a court in Germany uh, banned male circumcision. Uh, many governments of uh, Scandinavia banned ritual slaughtering. You know. 
So uh, some uh, measures which were taken against the Muslims had an impact on the other religions too, especially Judaism, yes, uh, of course, uh, but also Christianity. There are pressure from uh, many governments to ban the secret of confession uh, for the Catholic Church. And by definition, the secret of confession is at the core, you know, uh, of the concept of redeeming and salvation in Christianity. Uh, uh, so um, uh, it goes very far, you know, uh, uh, this distrust about religion in general. And yet at the end of the book, Professor Roy, you give us some examples of court decisions that uphold the right to display Christian symbols. So, for example, crucifixes or crosses in schoolrooms in Italy or Bavaria, for example. And you argue at the end of the book that these uh, successes in various court cases are actually evidence that Christianity or the symbols of Christianity are being regarded more for their cultural value than for their religious value. Am I getting you right? Yeah. A good example is the decision of the European Court of Human Rights to allow the crucifix in uh, uh, state schools in Italy. Uh, some people complain that to have a crucifix, you know, upon your head in a classroom is a psychological pressure, uh, religious pressure. That is a form of proselytism. But the court has a very good uh, argument, a very interesting argument. The argument of the court is, if it were the case, uh, if this crucifix was here to convert people to Christianity, then, of course, it should have been removed. But because in Italy, crucifix, you know, it's just a cultural symbol of Italian culture, like uh, pasta or pizza, then uh, there is no pressure uh, from uh, from these uh, religious signs, and so they can be kept in the classroom as cultural symbols. And this uh, decision was, you know, taken with uh, um, some um, misgivings by the Catholic Church. For the Catholic Church, the crucifix is not an Italian cultural symbol. The crucifix is at the core of what defines a Christian. You know, that Christianity, it's a belief. It's a symbol of faith. Uh, so the church is ambivalent on that. On one hand, the church is pleased to have crucifix here and there. But on the other hand, for the church, if we shift, you know, the meaning of this crucifix from uh, faith to just an identity cultural symbol of an ethnic or national uh, uh, population, then it totally misses the point. Uh, uh, it's precisely going against faith uh, and against the universality of Christianism. So... <coughs> So the, the debate on the religious sign is more yeah, than a debate on the uh, uh, Christian identity of Europe. It's a debate on the very nature of Christianism. It's a debate of which Christianism is uh, uh, the expression of the European culture. Is it uh, the populist identity or is it the call of Pope Francesco, Francis, uh, uh, for love, charity, and hospitality? And that's a big debate now. So you ask us, 
in the title of the book, Is Europe Christian? And in just a couple of sentences, Professor Roy, how would you answer that question? Is Europe Christian? Europe is no more Christian as such, but there are still Christians in Europe. And the issue now is how these Christians in Europe would behave as European citizens. What can they say? How can they intervene in the public debate? And not just on abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, but also on hospitality, on uh, migrants, on uh, neighborhood, you know, on recreating a common uh, link between uh, uh, individuals in Europe. So uh, uh, the issue is what is the message of uh, Christianity? Uh, no. The issue is, what is the message of the Christians? What is the connection of the Christian with the society? And it's a big debate because many Christians tend to retreat in their own neighborhood or spiritual monasteries, while other Christians do join the populists in fighting immigration. So what is the voice of Christianity in Europe? And as uh, uh, Father Dalolio said, uh, uh, I think that the Christians now, they don't need any more lawmakers. Uh, they need prophets. Well, Professor Roy, we've taken up a lot of your time today. Um, it's been great to talk to you. Before we wind up the conversation, could you tell us what you're working on next? Oh, it's a very... <laughs> I'm writing a very complex and difficult book on normativity. How is it that uh, the spirit of freedom of the 60s in 50 years led to societies which are more normative than they have ever been? That's a great question. Uh, It does sound complex. Um, But listen, thanks for coming on to the show today and for sharing your time and being willing to talk about your book. Thank you for your time and take care. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you to everyone else for listening in today. I'll see you next time on New Books and Christian Studies, a channel on the New Books Network podcast. Mm-hmm.